This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Your referee at this time, Dick Kroll. And may I introduce to you the manager, the Grand Wizard of Wrestling. Tonight's seventh bout is scheduled for one fall to a finish. Introducing first to my left from South Carolina, weighing 305 pounds, Sergeant Slaughter. His opponent from Grenoble in the French Alps, weighing 482 pounds, the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of WorldCast. It is the eighth wonder of the world cast. Kelly Nelson here in the hosting seat for this evening. And I am joined by my good friends, as always, Johnny Sorrow and Pete Schermacher. Boys, this is a big one. We are looking at the Andre the Giant documentary that came out just a few days ago as we record this on HBO. It's been uh, well-received, I believe, would be the uh, right way to uh, describe it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. Um, it's the brain, or was the brainchild or baby of Bill Simmons, the famous sports writer, known, um, well, one of the things he's known for and, and how this came about is the uh, 30 for 30 series from ESPN. He was behind that. Um a series of documentaries, usually touching on, you know, sort of overlooked uh, sports stories from the past or, or, or underreported sports stories from the past. And he wanted to make uh, an Andre the Giant film and have it part of that series, but it never was made. He parted ways with ESPN a few years back, and now he's sort of, I guess, an independent, and he got HBO to put this together. With a big um, assist from the WWE, of course, pretty much uh, total access, I think, and of course um, participation from Vince, Shane, um, Ric Flair, and uh, he's not technically part of the WWE right now, but Hulk Hogan, of course, is a major part of this. And uh, yeah, what they put together was a very uh, very interesting film, a very good film. I, I really enjoyed it. But we'll we'll save that uh, discussion for for the end. Yeah, um, it almost feels like it could have been like a Ken Burns like five part miniseries. Mm. And I said the oh, same totally. thing about the Ric Flair thing. Is there like so much you could cover on Andre or or a Ric Flair? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and here's here's the thing about that is the. the the very little criticism I've seen out there amongst hardcore wrestling fans is that they wanted something more Ken Burns like 
that's just here's what happened. And it's clear by watching this, that's not the filmmaker's intention. That's not this director's no, intention right. at all. It is to present Andre, the man, and the idea of a mythology being created around a man like that. And to that end, it's brilliant. You know, you're right. And, and, and how many people, I mean, I mean, you got to think, I mean, we're, you, they are putting their toe in the pool here with like just doing the 30-30 with Ric Flair. Now the HBO with Andre. They're not really, I mean, there's not that, they don't think there's a demand out there for a Ken Burns five-part uh, series. Maybe there is. Uh, <laughs> But right now, I don't. I mean, I just I can't imagine that really. I I, I can't imagine a five parter would do as well as a ratings as a one parter. You know. Well, I'll, I'll mention no. this. I listened. I listened to an interview with Simmons, and he was saying to the director, "You have to cut this down. I know you want to use more of this, this, and this, but he, the, he basically said the only good five hour long documentary was the OJ one, and there shouldn't be another one because that's too long." <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, 85 minutes. I mean, they had to tell a story, keep people engaged. This isn't for hardcore fans. I mean, it is, but it's it's more for a, a general audience, a wider audience. Um, and, and tell it's a great for story. me. Yeah. Yeah. 85 minutes. Oh. I mean, it's understandable that they, they couldn't make it a total epic. Oh, and the mainstream audience who's watching it is praising it to high heaven, which yeah. I yeah, no, it's a very well done film. Um, so there's lots to talk about here. It goes through his life uh, from the very beginnings in, in, in France and how he got into wrestling in the 60s and then goes all the way to his death and covers a lot of ground. It, you know, focuses on certain things more than others. You know, um, if you're um, interested in Andre's history wrestling in Japan, for example, you're going to be disappointed with this, but I mean, it goes into all kinds of. It touches on the territories, of course. It's not totally WWE centric. It gives um, the territories, the big territories from the 70s, their due, and and yeah, I mean, it's 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 it's. Uh, there's so much to, to cover here. Yeah, they specifically use a clip uh, from Paul Bosch's. Uh, this yes. Stuff. Houston wrestling where Andre is actually explaining his background. Yeah, exact. Exactly. It was like the, it was the very beginning. It was been Andre is what this Andre interview where he's basically giving his origin story. Yeah. And I looked up and it's it, like, there's Paul Bosch representing on HBO. And I just like, yeah, this is a good start. And I, and I wonder where they got that footage from. I don't know if it's in the vault. It might've been with the mid South collection. I'm not sure. There is some Houston there. Or this, they might have gone to, to Billy, or at the time maybe Bruce Tharp and got it for that, for that, for that. You know? Yeah, because I think they've used um, more than just WWE footage for this. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, because I mean they showed oh, yeah. stuff, they showed him as uh, they showed him back as in Alabama as uh, uh, working Lawler, and that's not part of the uh, the mm -hmm. library. Right, of course. And, of course, the original footage from France in the 60s, that's not yeah. anything WWE owns. So, you know, they, the filmmakers made their homework. And I should mention, the director is Jason Heer? I'm not sure how you pronounce it exactly. H-E-H-I-R. Um, he's known for making uh, a lot of the 30 for 30 films, or at least four of them. 
I think he was the director of the 85 Bears 30 for 30. Oh, that's a tremendous one. As a Bear fan, I give it a massive thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd be a big fan of that one. That's one I haven't seen, actually. But, uh, oh, real tearjerker, man. Seeing the old defense come back to the <laughs> Buddy Ryan on his deathbed. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Oh, wow, wow. Uh, let's not uh, transgress. I'm sorry. Yeah, like that. let's uh, stick to wrestling. So anyway, yeah, he's, he's an accomplished filmmaker. And before we begin, though, I think we should talk about Andre and our our personal um, recollections of Andre or, or, you know, memories um, at times we may have seen him wrestle. I'll start, you know, with myself. I did get to see Andre wrestle once. It was the second uh, wrestling show I ever went to second WWF show. It was in 1989, just before WrestleMania five. It was um, at the corral in Calgary, not the saddle dome. The saddle dome's the, the main arena where the Calgary Flames, the NHL play. They ran this show at the Corral, which is next door, uh, smaller, about 8,000 max, I would say. You could get into that building. Anyway, the main event was Andre against Jake the Snake Roberts, which, of course, was a match at WrestleMania five, but with Big John Studd as the referee to, to make it uh, a bigger attraction. So this was just a straight-up match with them. I don't remember anything specific about the match. I just know, you know, it was exciting going to see Andre the Giant. Even then, this was heel Andre, bad guy Andre in 1989 and, and broken down Andre. Um, I, of course, didn't really realize that at the time, but it was a big deal, you know, and, and he didn't have too much time left in the ring in the WWF anyway. So I'm glad I got to see him once in the ring. And, yeah, I mean, he was huge. I mean, he was a huge star. And, and I knew that, you know, probably before I got into wrestling, I'm, I'm sure I probably had heard, you know, I'd heard of Andre the Giant. And when I got into wrestling, it was just months before he, he turned heel and went against Hogan at WrestleMania three. So I didn't have too many memories of Andre as a babyface, actually. I am my the Andre that I knew in in real time or as I was watching it was bad guy heel Andre, and yeah, so that's my recollections of Andre. Pete, what are your memories of Andre? Yeah, I mean, I I, I grew up on him definitely as the babyface era, but my only live recollections of him was 1989 Royal Rumble, right? And me and my brother there, we got it as a Christmas present. We were like row I think ten or twelve, something like that, and. We're just looking at him, and it's just the guy's just massive. I mean, we're just marking out, going bananas. This is the first time we've seen Andre live, um, and he's just he's just monstrous, and he just gets over. Um, and he was uh, you know semi important in the Rumble because John Studd won it that year in a terrible Rumble. Um, yeah. But I also seen him uh, work Randy Savage, and I saw him work Ultimate Warrior twice in the. The match is under four minutes each uh, yeah. of the Warrior series. Um, uh, but, yeah, he's just a legend, and it was just at the time. I mean, it's really you were super excited to see him. I, I don't know how excited I was excited to see him when I when he lost in 14 seconds to the Warrior in a main event. Um, but it, it was still thrilling at the time to, to see him. Cool. Johnny, your memories of Andre? If for me, being you know, the same as child of the 70s, uh, 
I was like always oh before I ever watched wrestling, I was aware of Andre the Giant. You know, some of the, like as they touched on in this movie, he was, it was in an age before there was a million things to watch. You know, the you know the guy like Andre the Giant, of course, is going to be known. And I remember, like from the the, the six million dollar man, which yep. they touch on in here. I knew that, and that yep. was I wasn't watching. Yeah, I watched that. I didn't the, watch it in a rerun. I watched that thing live. Yeah. So did I, brother. And uh, and I knew that that was this guy named Andre the Giant who's a wrestler. I knew that. And but when I got into wrestling, then it was you know all over TV, but I never got to see him live. Uh, I it just it was one of those things that didn't happen. I was going to WWF shows at that time, but uh, that was it. I just it so happened I just never saw Andre. But my mem I think the thing that grabbed me first about Andre is when I was first getting into wrestling and watching it all the time. It was the John Stud cutting Andre and Patera cutting Andre's hair thing. It was like. You know, I remember watching that and being super like, what the fuck is going on? They're beating up Andre Giant and cutting his hair. And I was that was part of what got me hooked on wrestling at that time. Yeah, um, I mean, that's something that I saw on one of the probably first WWF uh, Coliseum on videos I ever rented the whole haircut angle. And, yeah, that was a huge, uh, very, very memorable angle. Um Powerful stuff, man. Um, yeah, so many. I remember. I remember thinking at the time because I was like kind of in a kayfabe frame of mind. Thinking I was like, do something, SD. You're fucking useless. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and, and Heenan was the one keeping him down too to make it even worse. Come on, yeah. yeah just a, a very unwise choice of partners that evening by Andre. Um, but he needed a haircut. I mean, it was it was in 1984. It was time to, to let that let that uh, afro go. But um, I digress. Um, so we have this movie. We're gonna take it apart. Um, you know, there's some controversy in certain circles. If you're a hardcore hardcore wrestling fan like we are, you may feel, oh well, you know, they they glossed over certain things. Um, when we get to WrestleMania three and the big match with Hogan, that's been a big talking point about a lot of uh, bullshit being tossed around by uh, Hogan himself and Vince McMahon. And um, so we'll touch on that. Yeah. I heard, uh, I heard one of the things people were upset about is like they mentioned, they were going over the territories in the seventies and, but most of the footage they were showing was the eighties. It's like, well, yeah, cares? that's I mean, true. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't make a note of You know, it's just a thing. They just had the footage. I don't think it really mattered. Uh, I only saw one... Territories, you know? I only saw one blatantly that's the 80s thing that that stood out to me, to be honest. But just to address that whole thing for a second about oh, that's bullshit bullshit and the WWE has an agenda with this. No, the director made what he made. And in the way it's made, it's you have to realize this isn't being presented as and each thing that each of these of these people says is the facts. It's these are these people in this world and they're all saying shit. And it's that's what their you know testimony is. That's not be any not and nothing is being presented as a fact. 
And they, I think they make that very clear. Yeah, these are just, to me, they were just images. Who cares? They're just images being used to show instead of just showing the guy talk, okay? And it yeah. makes a better movie that way than sitting yeah. a guy. That's why if we wanted, we could have got an RF video shoot interview series exactly. with all these guys. Exactly, you know? <laughs> exactly, exactly, because it it's showing, and, they, and the shoemaker at one point says this, and they edit this into this uh, in this way. It's one legendary story after another about this, that, and the other thing, and then he uh, says he's like, with well, a guy like that. You know, it's, it's like uh, Davy Crockett. They're real, and then they build a mythology around them. I'm like, yeah. oh, see? Got it. And they make it clear. Yeah. And, and, and footage from the 70s. And they, yeah, and they even, you know, they, later they talk about how Andre doesn't like, or according to Hogan, wasn't a big fan of Randy Savage, hated Randy, and brought a Bob, Bob, baby oil. I'm like, well, fucking Hulk was always oiled up. Uh, but... um. Uh, he also brought up the Iron Sheik, and they showed matches with him against Andre and the Sheik. I go, I guarantee you these aren't the matches that are showing. Oh no, them up, you know. Oh no, of course, I, of course, I, I, that was exactly. They were like, Andre is so convincing in these matches to a, a mainstream audience. If they're, they know they don't have the the footage of these shoot uh, yeah. shoot matches, but they're just showing a regular old Andre Iron uh, Sheik match. Who else, Who would know? They'd be like, okay, he's stepping on him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the footage from the 70s is harder to come by, too. There's mm-hmm. probably not a ton out there anyway, so it's not anything to really get too hung up on. Yeah, exactly. I, I thought that was like softball throws at the movie. It's like you're like <laughs> really going, getting desperate if you're right. going to take uh-huh. that tack. Well, the, the, uh, best, the best the best, one, and then like, we get started everything, is this. Um, someone says, yeah, Kevin Dunn has an executive producer credit on this. It's all WWF bullshit. And I was like, Kevin Dunn got thrown that bone because he maybe, like, provided them footage. Yeah. You know, and they're like, well, the Kevin gets to be named an executive producer. Fine. But in no way did Kevin Dunn touch this film at all. Zippo, yeah. <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's a, it's, I mean, people got to remember, there's a movie, it's a visual thing, so they need clips to go along with the story they're telling, and and the clips might not always be factual, but they are giving you at least a, a, a story that you can visually follow. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the story, of course, starts in France, and the cool thing about this is the filmmakers actually went to France and interviewed mm-hmm. Andre's uh, siblings who were yeah. still alive. Mm-hmm. It, was, with, it was lovely. Yeah, which I don't think has ever been done before, um, as far as I know. And so you get to see, I think, his, one of them was his older brother, I believe, and then right. another yeah. one was his younger brother. And, you know, Andre was from the village of Moline in france so he wasn't from grenoble in the french alps but that's just a minor detail how lovely does that village look yeah yeah of course it's like a picturesque but, but they do cover village. that later on where the, the the french alps just sounded cooler than yeah uh, right and and i think grenoble had hosted the winter olympics around the same time so it was a name or a city or a place in france that people were aware of you know, everywhere in the world. So it, it made sense to to uh, use that as his uh, fictional hometown. And so, yeah, we get this this footage. This is um, very neat stuff. 
Um, the story is that Andre, up until the age of 15 or 16, was just a normal boy growing up, nothing um, extraordinary. And then suddenly he started growing um, at a very advanced rate, rapid rate, and he became, uh, you know, or at least he was, height-wise, he became the giant we know. Um, from the time of, he was probably 17 or 18, he, he was quite tall. Oh, yeah. And, and But, of course, it would be later that he would start getting big, like really big, uh, you know, in his head and arms and uh, hands and all that because of the disease of acromegaly, which he had and was diagnosed later in life for him. And um, it's, it's something that Big Show had. Um, uh, the French Angel, the famous freak show attraction wrestler of the 40s you know who, and 50s had it. You know who else had it? The guy who played the British neighbor on the Jeffersons. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can totally see really? no, yeah. that. You can yeah. totally see that, though, when you think about it. Um, Lars Sullivan, uh, current wrestler in NXT, had it. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, but what differ, um, what separated them from Andre was they actually had surgery to get it fixed, or at least um, contained, or however you want to describe and it. Andre, and Andre made that choice not to. They, they, they released mm -hmm. later on in the movie. Yeah, yeah, and and in the movie they say it was because Andre feared that it would interf it would um, you know, it would change him. It would it would it ruin him as a performer or wrestler. as an attraction. Yeah, yeah, as a wrestler, right? Um, so I'm not sure how true that was, but that's that's the story. Or or or, or you know, or look, I've been living my life like I could die any minute. You know, I, you know, mm -hmm. it's too late. It's too late. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, if it was when it when they say it was when he finally yeah. was said or yeah. diagnosed, it might have been too, too late. Yeah, it was yeah. too late. It was, it was the late. early '80s. Yeah. Um. So anyway, this footage from the early days, some of it uh, definitely has been on YouTube. I've seen uh, up before. Um. Just a, of him like chopping wood in the forest, and I've never seen that. Yeah, you okay? Because the, yeah, the videos had been—they've um, been around for a few years. I mean, here and here's real quick. This is we're talking about. It. Here's what impressed me about that. I was like, wait a minute, this is like Memphis stuff in on French wrestling t television. We're going out to the woods to interview, you know, the, the lumberjack wrestler being a lumberjack, and I'm like, they did that on the, yeah, the TV back right, then. Yeah. Oh, I. I didn't know they did the vignettes like that back then. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was from actual, like, a, a French wrestling show, if that was just a French news program. Oh, I, I viewed it as it was a French wrestling show. That's what oh, I thought. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's when what they I thought. said it, this is Giant Foray, and he right. chopped wood, and he's like, yeah, that's where they did the Davy Crockett type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, Thoughts, Pete, on this this initial French footage we have here? I thought it was neat that they showed the Mad Dog with Sean stuff. Uh, that might have been a little later they showed it, maybe uh, maybe ten minutes later in the movie. Because mm -hmm. uh, that's just been recently just unearthed uh, by, God, I thought it was K-Hawk, actually. Um, uh, I, I think it's fascinating to be able to see these type of uh, stuff. Anytime you're able to translate, anytime you're able to get a... Being able to visually be able to follow somebody's career from the beginning, uh, having a really a beginning point, I think it's fascinating. I thought I found this all fascinating on how you promote wrestling. Yeah, 
you have a giant. You think it's a great idea to go out into the woods. This is like Kamala uh, going out to the woods. Well, what? No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I find it fascinating, and it's really neat. Um, and it's cool to see Andre that young. Uh, like I thought it was. Fa- I mean, I, I really was fascinated when he's like they were showing him working holes with that uh, smaller guy, and he's just tossing <laughs> him around, and it show like he's age sixteen and three hundred something pounds, and yeah, you just see what a. Yeah, I mean, early in his career, you can see what a freak athlete he was. Oh, totally. Um, Johnny, any thoughts on the early oh. footage? Well, um, what he was was I did I didn't know that uh, giant uh, Ferret was a actual mythological French character or, or or not mythological but like a tall tale character. Yeah, yeah, like, like a, a Paul gi- Bunyan. A Paul Bunyan, exactly. I didn't I was not aware of that. And I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm like that's really cool. Unless you know, they made I, it up I in the know. movie, I wish I no, no, that's no, real. no, 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 that's, that's real. That's, that's legit. Yeah, that's real. Is that? They're, gonna, they're not going to make that up. Uh, I don't think so. I'm just saying. You know. Well, then it leads into since we're getting uh, into uh, him coming to America and everything, but uh, it, it leads into the story that some southern promoter said, "What do you call the guy?" or "What you call the guy?" And he's like, "Andre the Giant Frenchman." That's a mouthful. You know, uh, you know, or well, or giant fairy. He's like, I can't call him a giant fairy down here. We'll just call him Andre the Giant. <laughs> yeah, and and most likely that uh, most likely that was Dick the Bruiser that um, came. Oh, really? Here. Yeah, because it was first show in Chicago, uh, the first time uh, Andre ever wrestled in Chicago. I and, assumed the South. Yeah. <laughs> And and Dick the Bruiser was was the promoter basically in Chicago, and he, you know, he asked, well, who is this this guy? What can I call him? I yeah, exactly. I can't call him the Giant Fairy because that's what it sounded like in English. And so he came up. He asked him, well, what's his name? It's on his name's Andre. And okay, he's Andre the Giant. And yeah, and that's the okay. it basically stuck from there. But it became more popularized, of course, once uh, Vince Senior got a hold of him. About a year right. later, but, but but in the movie they do say that it was Vern Gagne. He was in uh, the AWA, yeah. And Vern Gagne called him Andre the Giant Frenchman. I was like, Vern once again missed it by that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and Vern also envisioned him as a boxer originally, uh, that he would make money uh, using Andre <laughs> as a, a heavyweight boxer and not a wrestler. Um, <laughs> But I mean, yeah. Oh, anyway, <laughs> that's for. Well, I mean, yeah, we've we've discussed. Swinging a miss. Vern had a lot of great ideas. Um, and, it was and, early. It was early onset, guys. Be yeah. nice. <laughs> but yeah, there was a few misses by Vern. Um, yeah, this. Chairs? Yeah, no, girl. I was just saying, rocking chairs under the. Under oh the yeah, rock. yeah, the rockers, yeah. <laughs> Um, which probably, I don't, I don't, don't buy that. Really I don't buy that one. Yeah, that one's that. I think that's maybe Sean just BSing there. Um, yeah, the, the early footage is cool, black and white. Uh, you know, Andre's skinny, um, short hair. Uh, he was very young. You know, I guess yeah, he was turning twenty when he uh, first got into wrestling, and. 
you know, I'll go into some of the stuff the the film didn't really address. Um, so yeah, he started just in France and then slowly started to, you know, sort of build a name for himself and, and go further. And before he went to the States, he, he already did tours of Japan and he worked in England. He worked for World of Sport around 1969. And then he came to North America. He came to Montreal, of course. And it was um, Frank Valois that discovered him, who would become, he was a wrestler, and he would uh, be sort of Andre's manager, like legit manager in life. Uh, going forward, brought him to Quebec, Montreal. The, the legend was that Edward Carpentier had discovered Andre um, in France when he um, was driving somewhere and he came upon uh, a tree that was down in the middle of the road and Andre came out of the forest and, and grabbed the tree and moved it and threw it aside. <laughs> that was the story on TV that they, they um, that's how they introduced Andre in Montreal, that it was Carpentier that discovered this amazing French giant from the woods. Uh, so they kind of took France. his backstory what they showed in France but, but change it up a little bit. Instead of chopping a tree, you dragging a tree out of the forest. Exactly. And I should mention this before we go beyond the French footage. Recently, uh, a bunch of matches from France from the late 60s have been put on YouTube yep. that, that are pretty cool. They didn't show any uh, clips from those matches on, on the documentary. Uh, the one I watched was Andre against someone named Franz Van Boyten. Um, yeah. That was, uh, it's very interesting because you see Andre doing things that he would never do later on as a wrestler, uh, like backbreakers and all kinds of uh, interesting uh, holds. And um, yeah, that was, uh, that's some cool stuff. You should check that out on YouTube. Um, I think there's maybe now three or four different matches up there from the late 60s, maybe around 1970 as well. And you get to see, yeah, totally different Andre the Giant. So, yeah, he went to Montreal. And in the early 70s, Montreal wrestling was super hot. There was actually two promotions going on at the same time. That's how hot it was. And there was uh, the oldest or the established promotion was All-Star Wrestling. And that was run by uh, Johnny Rougeau, who was the uncle of the, the Rougeau brothers tag team in the 80s. And he was a big star. And the opposition group was run by the Vachon brothers. And that was Grand Prix Wrestling. And that's the promotion that Andre found himself in. And that's where Gino Brito is from, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, he was part of that, too. Um, and then with we the interviewed Vich him. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's in the movie. Which that, 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 I was like, hey, Gino Brito, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, he was a big star and a big like behind the scenes guy promoter. And he used the and he used the catchphrase license to print money. <laughs> right. <laughs> and with the Vachons, you had the connection to the AWA. That's where that came in, and that's why Andre wrestled for the AWA first um, in the states because of uh, the Vachon connection to Montreal and all that. And Andre, I mean, was a pretty big star. Uh, when they brought him into Montreal, he feuded with Don Leo Jonathan famously in like a Battle of the Giants, uh, big attraction. 
And but he wasn't protected like it would be later. Like he lost matches to Jonathan. I think he probably lost matches maybe to the Vashans or Killer Kowalski, I think beat him. Maybe even. Um and yeah, he, he wasn't um the special attraction that he would later become. And the AWA, you know, we've already mentioned Vern was you know, maybe didn't know how to handle him or, or bill him properly. And um, so he, he was, you know, he was, he was, of course, a, an attraction and, and, and a very impressive looking wrestler. But in yeah, the AWA stuff, I, found, I really thought I loved all the stuff with him and Gene, him and Andre and Gene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They had a great. Together. Oh, yeah. They were showing. They were showing. Great chemistry. Yeah, they were showing, you know, uh, Gene, but wearing Andre's jacket. Oh, it's like a top coat. And uh, mm-hmm. they, 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 when they're getting into the, some of the mythology segments. But in this period, uh, they're going, uh, they start talking about the 70s. Uh, it, they, they're playing Boogeyman. You know, like, I'm your Boogeyman. And the cuts uh, during that segment is amazing editing with a lot of cool characters that I love. I was like, yeah, this was great. That was amazingly well done. You know, I thought it, it, it encapsulated the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, because that's, that's sort of the the next um, part of the story. They establish Andre coming to um, North America, and then his next step is, you know, Vince Sr. Um, signs him, basically, and becomes his, his uh, booker basically, where he, you know, made sure he would travel the, you know, the territories and end internationally. He'd already been in Japan, like was mentioned. And, yeah, this was it sort of exploded from there. Um, he finally, they settled on the Andre the Giant name after tinkering with a few different names. He was even billed as the Polish giant in... <laughs> I saw that. I think it was in Indianapolis, actually. The um, Polish giant. <laughs> which is interesting. I don't know why they went with Polish. Um, I should also mention the writer, uh, Pat LaFraud, who is um, a, a great writer from Quebec. And yeah, he's, that's good stuff. Yeah, he's, um, he was featured uh, prominently in this uh, documentary, He's written a book on the history of Montreal wrestling, which is really good, called Mad Dogs, Midgets, and Screwjobs. Yep, I have uh, it. Yep. Yeah, um, I just finished his book on, on the history of women's wrestling, which is really good, Sisterhood of the Squared Circle. I have his biography of Mad Dog Vachon ready to go for my flight to uh, England that's coming up in less than oh. two weeks. Yeah. There you go. Nice. And, and he is writing the life story of Andre the Giant. As we speak. Oh, cool. So nice. that will be something we know. We talk about how this movie was 85 minutes, and there's only so much you can tell. Wait until his book comes out. Then you'll get, like, the everything. Uh, you know, you'll get the complete mm-hmm. the complete saga and history of Andre the Giant. And that's something to look forward to in a, probably about a year or so. They'd be, um, smart if, they'd be smart if they'd tie it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd, like, it'd be the perfect uh, supplement to this to this film so yeah now we're into the the, the heart of the 70s um yeah they, they, this is of course where the mcmahon family becomes involved in the story 
And, and yeah, I kind of liked, I don't know if this is where the segue they did it, where Vince talked about how other places were promoting it this way. They were showing like you know, studio footage, but the right. WWE we were so much more polished and they go to a house show and they show no, that, that, that. That no, that was later. That oh, was, was later. later. Okay. Yeah. That, that was, was pretty obnoxious. I will say yeah. that. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's not like, yeah. And the footage they showed, it's not like that was that much better than what the territories well the thing about that that could be the director's choice you know because yeah. vince said that and then that's what he chose to show yeah because it was like footage from the spectrum or something it, was, it wasn't exactly you know uh, saturday's main event uh, and and the super polished production yeah but yeah i mean yeah there was the, the usual cracks they can't help themselves anytime they have to talk about the 70s they have to mention the smoke-filled arenas and how, you know, everything was grimy and uh, WWF prettied it up. And Vince even mentioned the, I'm I'm not sure which promotion it was, but one of them actually had like a painted wall of of, of supposedly fans. (laughs) Oh, one of these these places had a a painting of walls of fans. I love this. See, I love that shit. But that did exist. I'm not, I can't remember which territory did that, but Oh really? That's it, real. It, no, it, it legit it was, in the yeah. late '80s. That's real. I thought Vince made yeah, that. Yeah, I up. guess that was that. What he was referring to? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. I think AWA you're right. It was 80s. when the AWA was or swirling. Was the late the '80s or early '90s when they went to the pink room or whatever. <laughs> well, there was the pink room. Yeah, yeah, but I think there was also in the '70s maybe another like a, a studio thing where they had the painting of fans in the background or something, but. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, and then then Shane McMahon when he gets on camera, basically you know says, "Well, Andre wasn't really doing much until he came to New York." Blah blah blah. But- Shane was okay. Shane in this is really annoying, but Shane is saying exactly what he thinks is real. Yeah, you exactly. Know. No, that's not exactly. fucking no. No, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he's not doing it to do the company line. He's that's what he thought. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Of course, he, that's that's he totally in in his mind believes that to be the truth. But um, okay, unless as they because they get to it later when they make it clear that in the lead up to Romania three that it never nothing mattered that ever happened before that. You know, he he sat a young Shane down and said, "You always say <laughs> nothing ever happened before that." <laughs> he just comes off. <laughs> He comes out. Shane just comes off so obnoxious to me. He, he just, I don't know. He annoys me. Oh yeah. Well, I um, I despise Shane McMahon as a performer. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of insinuated that Andre, before he came to New York, hadn't really uh, wrestled before large crowds, which wasn't true. Uh, Meltzer in the in the latest Observer brought this up about yeah, Andre was drawing big money in Montreal, probably wrestled before some pretty big uh, houses in the AWA as well. So it's not like it was that um, stark of a change for him once he came yeah, but to the But the movie really just implied that, like, and this was the moment where it took off for him. Yeah. With, uh, you know, being a suddenly booked attraction all around the world. Mm-hmm. So. And then and we get Jerry Lawler explaining the territory system in the movie. Um, I mean, nothing, wait, 
nothing freaks me out still more than seeing Jerry Lawler break kayfabe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, explain that a bit more, Johnny. Um, no, it, it, when Jerry Lawler said, and this is how we book wrestling, and da 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 talking like it's a shoot interview, I was like, I, that always freaks me out because he's stuck to kayfabe, you know, forever. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, it's interesting that he was the one that they uh, chose to explain the whole thing. Um, oh, he's such a great talker. I mean, oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it, it's very much like what they did here was something they've done in tons of WWE documentaries where they do the map of the United States. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. With, with the, the the states popping up and 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 highlighted the territories by, popping up, yeah, with the yeah, state. and and giving a very general explanation of of everything, um, but no, it, it, it's they did a good job, I think, of explaining the territory system in a in a very concise way. Yes, explaining explaining to an audience that doesn't know what the hell that is yeah, exactly. about the, about the fiefdoms of wrestling, it was <laughs> amazingly well done and simple. I know myself; I've explained it to sort of non wrestling fans over the years, tons of times, and it's sort of that's how I would explain it. Right? I wouldn't. You can't get too complicated because it's a very complicated story. It was a very yeah, because no one, everyone you talk to usually was around before when cable was a thing, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because And they said that in this. They said in the days before cable, you had local TV, and every local TV had their own local wrestling show. And I was like, zip, very simple. That's mm-hmm. well done. Yeah. Um, so that's, that, that's the, the story of the 70s or the beginning of the 70s story um, they do give hold on they do give the magazines their due yeah that's true yeah at this time hard yeah yeah they, they say the, the the part of the mythology of andre the giant was being spread by the only way people knew about him who couldn't see him were in the magazines and that maybe he'll come to your territory but it might not happen yeah yeah and they had the the covers the bloody covers yeah um, from the seventies, Andre, of course, would have been on the cover of tons of magazines. He was great attraction, great way to sell the magazines. Um, and is this it, where they talk about also where uh, uh, Andre hated John Studd? Um, that yeah, we're getting up to that where they start going into who Andre didn't like. Um, yeah. Yeah, the magazines, when they get into the talk about the magazines, this is kind of where we start to see the uh, writer David Shoemaker uh, for the first time, who is basically in this movie the mainstream wrestling historian. Uh, we also have David Meltzer here quite a bit as well. and But at first, Shoemaker gets the, sort of the, the mo, you know, most screen time to explain things. So this, uh, like Shoemaker, is a, probably the most well-known wrestling historian, I would say, on a on a mainstream level. For people who frequent the mm. ProWrestlingOnly.com, he's he's been a target for several years. Because... But you know, you know, you know who also is and is I don't know, and I think is even more highly considered is Sam Roberts, but. 
Yeah, Shoemaker. Yeah, yeah. Um, Shoemaker was part of Grantland, the whole um, the website that Bill Simmons was a a big uh, part of, or I guess it was his site. Um, And he wrote, Shoemaker wrote a lot of articles about wrestling. Well, pretty much he was the wrestling writer for that site. And at PWI, I remember at his peak, uh, there was a lot of criticism about his, you know, kind of um, very generalized uh, interpretation of wrestling history. And, and often using like uh, kayfabe stories and, and presenting them as historical facts. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, he's definitely someone that I, I, you know, I read a few of his articles, but after a while, I, I kind of realized that it was very much a, um, you know, checkout magazine style of uh, wrestling history and that I wasn't. Well, too well isn't it? Well, is, well, isn't it clear? And I, I don't like it either, but isn't it clear from this that this is a guy who looks on wrestling history as more of a mythology than as a real sport? Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, he's a child of the 80s, and he sort of, yeah, he's his take on the 70s, as is a, a lot of uh, wrestling fans' take on the 70s, is kind of the general view that it was, you know, uh, you know the smoke-filled arenas, and, and, and Vince improved everything um, in the 80s, but... Yeah, here, so he's used to explain a lot of the 70s, though. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely prefer Meltzer's uh, takes right. <laughs> to Shoemaker. Right. But, 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 but for the sake of a movie, you want someone who speaks well in vagaries, and yeah. but who's still excited and, and pretty much knows what he's talking about. And you're not going to want, like, long things from Dave Meltzer. Uh, in, you know, I mean, they used Dave perfectly yeah, throughout this. Yeah, and, and we'll get to it. I mean, when Dave gets the chance to shine, I think he does a really good job. And they sort of save him for the for the main event, so to speak. Um, yeah. Pete, do you have any views on Shoemaker? Uh, not really. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't I quote him ever. Um, so let's leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he's he's tight with Simmons, so it's it's uh, completely understandable why he's sort of the public face of wrestling history for this. Um, yeah, I, I found him pretty inoffensive uh, throughout this. It wasn't there wasn't anything too. Well, there was one that quote or, or part where he talks about Andre being sort of more famous than any NFL player or NBA player in the seventies. And I, I'm, it's a bit of a dubious claim, but, uh, anyway, um, so we get a lot of footage here. There was one clip that I found interesting. Uh, I was a bloody Andre screaming at Bill Watts. Oh, how yeah, awesome was that? Here. I was wondering where that was from. I was going to ask you, Pete, do you know what the context of that was? No, I mean, all I know is it had to been mid-South. I mean, well, like, yeah, definitely mid-South. Yeah. Holy shit, that was fucking awesome. And here's what's the best part of that. When he's shaking Bill Watts and he's like, oh, then they cut back to 
the studio where Bill Watts is sitting with Lloyd Pierce and Bill Watts has a look of fear on his face that I've never seen Bill Watts do on television ever. It looks it's like it awesome. might be something they might be building to the for a Superdome show or something. Must it was be. a heavy angle. Yeah, I, I I I can't say I've seen Andre cut a promo like that um, as a babyface uh, anywhere else. I mean, it, it looked like it was it was a pretty big angle, but yeah, I have no idea what the context of that was. Maybe the heel was wearing baby oil when he. Uh, <laughs> was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of baby oil, so yeah, this is around the time that um, uh, I think it's Hogan sort of telling these stories about guys that Andre hated, supposedly, and and Randy Savage was pretty high on the list, apparently. I yeah. I don't know. Uh, is that true? I've I've that? always heard that. I've always heard that. Hmm. I've never heard a reason why, but I've always heard it. Yeah, I. I Maybe I've heard that. I, I don't know. I just, for some reason, when I think of guys that Andre hated, Savage isn't one that I, one that pops up. But uh, yeah, apparently he did. <laughs> uh, I don't know if he went out of his way to, you know, uh, stiff him in the ring or whatever you want to call it. Um, like they. The only time he really had to work him was when he was a heel. Oh, and Andre was a heel. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they did show that one shot of Andre ripping the hair out of his head in that match that looked pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, for the guy, for the guy who is uh, is insecure about going bald, it looked like Andre just ripped a chunk of hair out of his his head. Yeah, and this is kind of um, the only part of the movie that really touches on Andre, like the dark side, I guess you could say, of Andre. Um, that a lot of people have commented over the years that Andre had this, you know, dark side to him and could be quite mean to certain people. Yeah, well, with the Big John stud, I always heard it was like, they got along fine in the first run. It was was the 89 run they didn't get along when Andre was really breaking down. Yeah. and, And issues were forming between the two of them. Well, according to what they were saying, it was, or whoever said it, I guess it was probably Hogan, uh, said that it was because Stud was doing the step over the top rope thing. Vince said that. uh, Was it Vince? Okay. James the one who brought it up, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it's not like Andre was the only one to do that, you know, other than John Stud, too. Yeah, but in, in WWF, who knows? I guess. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it was like they got along fine in the first run, but the '89 run was when Andre was miserable. John Studd, they weren't drawing as well as what they did in '84, yeah. and then he was like, "Ah, fuck it," and he quit because it just wasn't worth it. Yeah, no, Studd totally hated that run uh, or the whole thing with Andre, and yeah, or just the the the, the dressing room and all the the whole. The vibe of being in in the WWF at that time, and was gone pretty quick. Um, but it's often said that yeah, he Andre always hated Stud. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't think that's true. The movie kind of plays up that yeah that he did always hate Stud. Um, well, 
Those are the best stories. Because they, no, they had the best stories. Because they, they yeah. told the story that there's like, then John Studd came out of the ring and said, I got to get, get Vince going. I got to get out of here. Where are you going, pal? He's going to kill yeah. me. Okay. Yeah. And that's a great story. Yeah. It's, they're it's, not it's saying that it really happened. Yeah. But yeah, they're, but they're not implying that it did. <laughs> it's, you're, you're getting a look in at these, at these, these people. Yeah. <laughs> No, and it makes for a great story because they were the two giants, and then oh, in real life they really hated each other. And I had never heard, I never possibly heard about that it was about stepping over the top rope. And I remember thinking, that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that doesn't seem to make sense. I don't think Andre would give a crap about that, really. Uh, you know, that's the thing, man. These wrestlers are pretty fucking petty about stuff. They are pretty petty about shit like that. Yeah. But it made sense to build up Stud to be almost the equal of Andre. Yeah, exactly. But, but maybe Stud didn't ask first. <laughs> didn't yeah, didn't shake his hand properly or in the right order or whatever. I also um, heard. I mean, I also heard he didn't like Stud. He Stud wore lifts. I mean, to make him look taller. Well, <laughs> yes. Well, we could get into the whole height topic right now. I guess this is a good segue. Um, of like Andre's um, legit height. It's, it's something that. Well, before before we get into that, I can totally believe in the Iron Sheet getting on his nerves. Oh yeah, totally. Hey, she can I uh, body slam me today, brother? Yeah, yeah, oh, I, I can totally see, see that easy. Like Andre wants to be around that guy all fucked up. Oh, maybe the Sheiky could slam you. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the only thing I want to say about the Sheik is the footage they they showed of of Andre versus the Sheik had Friday uh, Kamala's original handler as reference. as the referee for some reason. I really, I totally didn't see. You didn't, I notice, didn't notice that? that. No, I didn't. And I couldn't. I thought it was maybe from the Meadowlands. Cloud in your eyes or something, Johnny. I wasn't, dude. I, I I wasn't paying attention to who the fucking referee was. I'm watching a movie. Well, it was hard not to notice Friday. Mask, I, mean, <laughs> I was yeah, watching on my full gimmick with the. the okay, I was watching the... on my phone, and I was also yelling at the neighbor kid at the same time. Give me a break. It's not like Kelly and Justin and Scott missing Sammy Hagar, uh, not Sammy <laughs> Hagar on Madison Square Garden. I'll never, never live that one down. Um. <laughs> But I couldn't tell where it was from. I thought it was from the Meadowlands, but I looked for uh, results um, uh, from the Meadowlands for Andre and the Sheik with Friday in the, as the ref, and I, I couldn't find it. Um, I was thinking it was the Cap Center. Could have been. Or maybe NASA Coliseum. There's a few of them that look similar. Yeah, they all three look alike. But it's just strange. Why was Friday the referee? Like what? <laughs> he wasn't with the Sheik. Uh, Andre was feuding with Kamala, but it's still. You know, I could think I could think of a crusading young wrestling journalist who needs to get on top of this story. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure Bix uh, is probably on the case, so don't worry. There'll be an article in in Deadspin or wherever the fuck he's writing right now. Um, Patreon edition of our. <laughs> right, it'll, of, be the, it'll be it'll, it'll be a Patreon thing. Um, so where was I? Okay, um, yeah, the 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 height thing. Okay, so Andre or Andre was often billed as seven foot four and and maybe seven foot five, and then there's so there's a lot of uh, talk about how 
legit tall he was. And it's not really something that, you know, bothers me or interests me too terribly much. It, it seems like he was maybe six foot ten at yeah. most. Yeah, six nine. Um, Meltzer's obsessed with the height thing, though. In yeah. the Observer today, he devotes several paragraphs to <laughs> deconstructing how tall Andre was. Okay, okay. He was I, I, shocked that they showed the footage of uh, him and him being footage recorded with Wilt. Photographed with Will. I think it was a picture, yeah, of Will and uh, Arnold from the set of Conan the Destroyer. I believe. Yeah, I love yeah. that picture. I love that picture. It's great. But <laughs> okay, here's but here's the thing, uh, and I'm gonna give credit where it's due. There's a guy uh, from the boards and everything goes by Victator. Everyone knows who he is, and he posted a day in the middle of all this. He's like, I hate height truthers. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Yes, so do I, brother. Shut yeah. up. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, he was a tall, he was a tall son of a bitch. So it doesn't really matter. Exactly. And it's wrestling, of course, is exaggerated. Ugh. Yeah, it's I mean, exaggerated, and yeah. it's going to be, and it's also visual. You're going to put him in with smaller jobbers and make him look taller. I mean, that's just how mm-hmm. it works. Mm-hmm. Um. But Vince they didn't Sr. talk about the fact pretty... that he stood on a box. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Vince Sr. was uh, somewhat concerned about it, where they, they would um, you know, they would try to avoid Andre being in, in the same place as guys that were like six foot seven, six foot eight. Oh, yeah. Like, they always avoided Manu Paul. Right. So that was apparently a huge Yeah, how hard is that, scare. though? You know? <laughs> Where Minute Bull wanted to meet him, and they had to rush Andre out or something. Um, <laughs> but it was a different time. It was it was the height yeah. of kayfabe, uh, and then the line between real and fake was uh, yeah, it was it was pretty blurry. I, I do find it humorous days. that there are people out there who are the same people who decry that their that kayfabe is gone. Are the same people who are screaming for. Um, reality for screaming about kayfabe in this movie <laughs> right yeah um so we get stories of of andre's legendary drinking um this part of the movie was the fun part of the movie where it was about you know andre at his, his best you know drinking um, and fame and his fame right yeah um just yeah the 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 legend of Andre, basically, at this point. Um, being he did a Labatz. He did a Labatz ad. Labatz. Labatz. Okay. Labatz. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it would have been in in Canada, just local sort That's of thing. That's awesome. I didn't. I, I. It was like ten seconds, and it blew my mind. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. Letterman. He's on Letterman, and Letterman says, can I get you a mimosa? Was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Great. It was great. <laughs> Early Letterman uh, wearing, like, a rugby jersey or something, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And this is also when they have Arnold, and they did the story about, I pay boss. And yeah. But b- before we get to the legendary uh, stuff, is they make this point, and they, as someone says this, they said, promoters treated him special. In every place he went, because they knew how much money he brought uh, on on his route around the country, and, and uh, 
And I, I like because like every promoter was like, you treat him like royalty. Yeah, no, he was a huge draw. This was something you gotta project him. Yeah, something that Melton yep. brought up too in the article is that um, Sam Mushnick, when he retired, was asked like who the biggest draws you ever had over the years, and of course Mushnick promoted from the '40s into the early '80s, and uh, in the top three, Andre was was yeah, he was in the top three. So he, you know, he he was guaranteed. And if you look at the attendance numbers that are out there for WWF cards in the '80s, an Andre appearance would jack up a spectrum card you know um by five thousand compared to the month before right and yeah he was it was a big attraction for sure and they it was uh in calgary they would use andre in the summer for the biggest show of the year at the corral and during the stampede andre would be brought in have a battle royal usually and yeah it was similar in, in in most of the territories where Andre was uh, someone they would use two or three times a year, maybe, and in various different ways. Sometimes he would be just a special referee. There's a famous match with uh, Flair and Steamboat from the Carolinas in the late 70s where Andre's the enforcer ref, and um, that's a pretty neat uh, thing to see. But, yeah, he was yeah, – he was – Gigantic star. Um, before Hogan, yeah. I mean, Andre, Gorgeous George, Jim Londos back in the 30s. And then, I mean, you had your regional guys. Bruno, of course, huge in New York. Yeah. But, yeah, Andre was, of course, a national star when there wasn't too many national stars. Right. And, uh, and the, the legends that you were talking about start next. It's... Let's talk about because this is his giant dick and his drinking and his farts. <laughs> yeah, and of course, leave it I to Flair. Like for me, I thought Rob Reiner gave him a lot of. Uh, yeah, like I, 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 like I believe what Rob Reiner was saying. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they yeah, do... he, he drank, but he drank to have fun and want to be one of the guys. And then Gary Ellis uh, brings it back to, well, really he drank to get rid of the pain, which then yeah. made it really kind of sad. Uh, but hearing him drink the 20 bottles of wine when the new new Beaujolais came out, mm-hmm. uh, which, is, which uh, I don't know if you guys are wine drinkers, but that's a big, big-time mm-hmm. thingy for wine drinkers when it first hits, right. where people are buying it by the case. And I love hearing Andre downing 20 bottles, which is... Uh, <laughs> A case and a more than a case and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, well, they tell the story about him passing out in the hallway thing too. But then Pat Patterson, they get on camera. Uh, they say, "Well, Pat, what should we do?" And he, the way he says, he goes, "I don't know, call AAA," and just goes to his hotel room. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. Um, but here you got it's. They start out with all this insinuation, and Vince is the best. Like, well, most other males were intimidated by Andre, you know, if you know what I mean. And the females, they wanted to be around him, you know, it was like, because they wanted that dick. And then I'm, I'm dying. And then they have Hogan and Flair wearing his best suit and t shirt combo. Yeah, uh, oh, man. Uh, 
you're the nature boy. Fucking, uh, come on. Hey, uh, well, and while you're at it, while I'm doing this interview, go to the Ric Flair uh, website. You can get a woo T-shirt. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Which uh, get, uh, it's great in its own way, but uh, and the they also introduced Tim White here in, in this segment, and he's I think fantastic. He was my favorite character of the whole. Yeah, he was wonderful. He was wonderful. Uh, he tells his quick story about. Uh, Andre and Tito playing cards, and when yeah. he first comes back there, and they show they actually had like a shot or whatever of Andre and Tito playing cards, and I was like, I love that picture. That's my that's my favorite picture of like, eh, what are you doing before the show? Eh, Andre and Tito Santana, you know, playing gin and rummy together just to pass the time, and I, I, I thought it was adorable. And then it's farts, you know, and hearing Vince. Started and it sounds like, and then I'm, I'm going, Jesus Christ. And then Hogan describes him, and he also goes, Oh, he brother, they sounded like, I'm like, Oh, the stories match. Yeah. <laughs> That's why yeah, I, I got to kick out the fact that Vince goes, Yeah, Andre liked flatulence. So I'm like, Okay, yeah, flat- Andre Andre like like flatulence. Flatulence. <laughs> He, he's he has Vince speak, dude. It's Vince speak. It, it's it's what he's it's what he does. It's flatulence. <laughs> Speaking of Carrie Ulways, uh, I read his book uh, about the making of the Princess Bride. He has a, nothing but wonderful things to say about Andre, as he does in this. And in that, he says they're what on the scene where they're getting ready to invade the castle, and Wesley is oh, is still kind of dead, and Andre is. You're like, like, oh, you're doing very well now. Uh, apparently, there's a take where he cuts a giant fart accidentally and cracks up the entire crew. <laughs> for like, they, they had to shut down for like 15 minutes before they could start shooting. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, yeah, and and the drinking stories. That's kind of what Andre's most well known for. I oh think. yeah. In, in in the in the wider world um, for non wrestling fans, uh, it's like it, the, if you Google Andre the Giant or put Andre the Giant, yeah, in the in um, a search engine, you'll get Andre the Giant drinking pretty much as the first option uh, that comes up. So there's yeah, that, that's and it's it's been um, probably exaggerated to a certain degree. Over the years, but people love the numbers, 120 beers in one sitting. And, um, yeah. and like, yeah, he was maybe the greatest drunk of all time or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah. Then he goes, how drunk were you? Ah, just, yeah, I'm not drunk. Gypsy. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. So, so it's, it's, it's Jackie Gleason, uh, uh, Oliver Reed and Andre the Giant. Got it. That's yeah. That's the the Hall of Fame or the first inductees into the Hall of Fame right there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it is what it is. They also show here when I love this footage where someone with a camera comes behind the curtain who is yes. not supposed to be in the locker room, and Andre comes pouring at this, and he says, running at this guy. He goes, hey, what the fuck are you doing in here? And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I was I've never seen that, that before. No, I was wondering where that came from. Um, 
It was clearly Dusty Rhodes um, sitting there. So, and I'm not sure who exactly was filming it. Um, it was probably around, yeah, it was early 80s because Andre still had the afro. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, maybe, maybe that was from I Like to Hurt People. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, you never the, know. The Detroit, you never know. The one about the Detroit uh, promotion, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't. I have no idea. Um, I haven't seen anyone mention that anywhere, what that was possibly from. But it looked like it was, yeah, that was legit. Somebody was trying to get a peek behind the curtain back at a time when that stuff didn't happen. That's crazy. Um, so we get to the point where they start talking about Andre's famous ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Of course, this was from 1981. We covered this back on Titans of Wrestling, the Killer Con feud. And um, the story was, uh, well, the, the real story was Andre got out of bed one morning and broke his ankle. And they blamed it, of course, on Killer Con breaking his ankle in a match that never happened. And in fact, one PWI match of the year. Um, I believe the only fictional match to ever win uh, PWI match of the year to show you how great the legend was. Um, People, I don't know if this was open to the fans at the time. It's funny. It was so uh, legendary that it won and it didn't even happen. Um, But in the movie, the timeline is, is totally off because they, they tell it like Andre broke his ankle and while he was out hurt, Hogan came along and and the whole rock and wrestling thing exploded at that time. When, of yeah. course, that was like three years later, of course, 1984. Um, it was convenient. It's, it's a convenient plot device. Yeah. I know. It's the one thing that stood out to me at all. And I went, I get it. it it's a convenient plot device because there's not a lot to talk about, really. And that you got to move this thing along, and uh, but before this, they did have the whole we can say anything about him. Vince was like, oh, I said he had eighty-two teeth, right? <laughs> and it's, he's laughing at it. it it's yeah. hilarious. Like Ric Flair, I thought he had two hearts. Two you know, it, it's fucking hilarious. Uh, and Vince goes, I explained it by saying they're in rows like a shark. And they, oh, <laughs> yeah, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was hilarious, and they and they touch on how uncomfortable it was for him to travel, yeah. Yeah. and everything. And there were some people said unkind things about him. And the whole bathroom thing just sounds tremendously horrific. Uh, uh, horrific! It, it's it's exactly man. It's it's terrible, and they really touch on this, and that's why the film's so wonderful because. You know, they're showing the height of fame. They're showing, you know, like, well, if you're gonna, they're showing him so famous from having to travel around the 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 country and the world, and then they show the downside of being a giant who has to do that in nineteen in the seventies. It, it's it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there. I mean, there was nowhere for him to hide. I mean, most celebrities could hide with sunglasses and a hat or whatever, but Andre. Yeah. He's Andre, he's huge. <laughs> Which they make a point of. They make a point of uh, pointing that out. Yeah, he. I mean, he couldn't go anywhere without being recognized and mobbed. And of course, he was in airports all the time and, and having to do all this travel. 
But to your, but and, and to what you were talking about, the introduction of Hogan, uh, they show him as uh, Sterling Golden or whatever. But yeah. you hear Gordon Sully call his bear hug the Golden Squeeze. <laughs> That's a great choice uh, they made right there. You get the great fist sandwich promo from Superstar Billy Graham, and they imply when Hogan wins the title that when Andre comes in and pours the champagne on him is that that wasn't just a ringing endorsement to the fans. It was a ringing endorsement to the boys. They imply that in the, in the movie. I, I, I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. And Hogan is, is a, a huge part of this overall film. Um, not yeah. Only he's is, definitely the yeah. big narrative coming forward. Yeah. Like he's used, of course, he, he's, he's one of the major talking heads. And then his story, his wrestling story, is is a big part of this, and yeah, they they tell how you know the story of how he got into wrestling, and as Johnny said, a Sterling Golden like that. They use the old grainy Georgia footage that we've all seen, um, yeah, and then of course it's it's a big part of the the climax of the whole movie is is the Andre Hogan thing, and mm-hmm. and Hogan really came off. Uh, this was. Maybe it's his final great performance. I don't know. That was a note I made at the end. I mean, he he was really good here because this is, I mean, he's a great performer, and this was a chance to uh, to do that, and he doesn't have uh, too many opportunities anymore, unfortunately, to do that. And, yeah, I thought he, he really, he was really strong, and Vince was really good, too. Now the, the narrative turns to, the mid eighties and rock and wrestling Hogan now as the, as the number one guy and, and, you know, Andre, this was when his, his body started to betray him big time. The ankle injury is, is brought up to start that story. And then we start moving on and they get to the story of Andre in the movie, the princess bride, which is another thing besides the drinking that I guess Andre is known for um, outside mm-hmm. of wrestling, probably, yeah. I mean, it's a very – it became a very popular movie. It was a popular movie at the time, for oh, sure. Oh, it's a, cl- it's a classic that everyone knows. Yeah, but it, 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 it definitely it grew with each passing year. It was one of the Oh, it was not a hit. It was not a hit. It, but yeah. for something that was not a hit – you know, 30 years later, it's considered one of the greatest movies of all time. Yeah, it, yeah, it definitely had staying power. I mean, I saw it when it first came out on video, but I remember later, like eight, seven, eight years later in high school, it was something that my friends were really into, and yeah, it had attained like cult status by that point. And and now it's yeah, it's 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 actually uh, it's a movie that most people have seen probably. I don't know. But it was really telling when Rob Reiner was saying uh, how he, he was shocked that the hardest thing to do was do the wrestling scenes with Andre yep. as opposed to getting the performance out of him. Yep. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, it was very touching. It, 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 and it, it, and with these, it was so wonderful to see that. You know, they, they showed all the hardships that Andre's had in the world of wrestling, and they showed that when he joined this this troupe of entertainers, they all fell in love with him and understood him. And 
and got him and he felt that way as well it, it, it's 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 lovely the relationship that uh, they had with andre yeah yeah no that it was great to see rob reiner and billy crystal talk about andre and uh, yeah yeah fun memories yeah yeah but it, it, it kept... kind of classed up the um the, the documentary in a way you know what i'm saying yeah well, it, it, but yeah it's because it showed people who are also in the entertainment business who are in the carny business of wrestling and yeah. their take on working with andre the giant and how much they adored him i've heard that story robin wright is the, the beautiful robin wright has told that story about he he noticed she was cold and putting his hand on her head to warm her in the cold I've heard that her tell that story so many times. It never fails to make me tear up and watch her tear up uh, uh, when she tells it. And uh, and Carrioles is the one they go to. Like, yeah, well, all these these carny wrestlers are going to talk about it. he could drink ten thousand beers and da 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 da. And then it's uh, Carrioles going. He was in pain. Yeah. <laughs> so he drank in pain. Yeah, and, and I adore this. put a whole spin on the earlier spiel, you know? Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, these are great. You know, you're laughing, hearing the stories, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden, Carrie Eels now, you know, opens your eyes to the reality. Okay, this is what the fuck's going on, boys. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was really good. And, yeah, it was at a time when Andre didn't have much left uh, in the ring. And, yeah, he couldn't, too. Couldn't do the stunts. His back was really bad. He basically, you know, gave notice to all the other promoters because he was still going to Mexico. He was still going to Japan in 86 that, you know, he was going to have his final tours there. And he put over Inoki uh, by submission, or Inoki beat him by submission. He put over El Canec in Mexico. And he wasn't going to go back because he was winding down. He was done. He told Vince that he was done, basically. And that's where we get WrestleMania three. It was basically um, supposed to be Andre's, you know, farewell to wrestling in a way. It was his way of, you know, find. It was it was the last thing that Hogan needed. I mean, I really, I guess Hogan didn't even need this rub. At the point, you know, huge. but no, you know, I think, yeah, go ahead, Pete. Is that, you know, yeah, he probably needed the rub or didn't really need the rub, but it's funny. He, the way he says that he really needed the rub here, but this is 87. Mm -hmm. And he, when you think about it, realistically, he was only with the company another two more years, uh, the Hulkster or three years or four years, I guess. Um, 93, right? Well, well yeah, on. he left I mean, and then I he mean, came full back. time, full time anyway, 91-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I think they made it clear that Hogan's feelings about this, because I remember th- always thinking that part of the story was weird, too. Because uh, I was like, I was living through that, man. Hogan was it. But, I but think in his mind, this in his him- mind, in his mind, in the, the mind of a wrestler, and they make that clear here. And that- oh, Dave Meltzer makes it clear. When Dave Meltzer does. He talks about his legacy as, as WrestleMania three. Yeah, Meltzer put exactly, Pete. Meltzer puts. It, 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 it's wonderful to see Hogan say something that people go, "Oh, that's bullshit," 
But Melcher says, well, Hulk Hogan told you what's the most important thing. He's going to tell you it's WrestleMania three be, uh, beating Andre because he understands the psyche of a wrestler. So I, th- I thought they did a wonderful job of establishing that. Yeah, and at the time, I mean, it was pushed in the magazines that, you know, Andre was kind of on an other level than Hogan or you know, above Hogan because mm-hmm. he was undefeated um, and and all that. And it, it, yeah, I mean, Hogan beating Andre, that was, it was a huge, huge deal because of Andre's and, legend. Yeah, and like they, like uh, we mentioned before, they, uh, Mean Gene put, uh, puts it eloquently. Because uh, they show a little bit of they, – they show. You know, Hogan and Andre used to wrestle all the time and slam all the time. They show that stuff. And, uh, and Vince said nobody saw that before the cable expansion. So it, it we're starting over. Mm-hmm. He clearly states we're starting over here, uh, which is very interesting because we've always said uh, on Titans, when does Vince officially reboot the company? Yeah. And I think it's right there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could say probably a bit earlier, too, um, where there was, you know, they they just didn't talk about anything other than the WWF. Um, Everybody was repackaged on or Harley Race was his history was basically erased in a lot of ways. Yeah, Yeah. it was all around that period. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's true. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't acknowledge any of it the magazines of course would um yeah (laughs) um yeah that was his choice actually right um but it was cool in the in the in the film here that they do of course show uh, all the stuff from the early 80s all the hogan andre matches and um they, they they didn't stick to the Narrative, but I guess that hasn't been the WWF or WWE narrative for a long time anyway. That they that and they, they showed that great before. picture of Andre press slamming uh, Harley and uh, and Harley's face of fear. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> um, so this is yeah the 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 story of WrestleMania three is basically what this whole film is built to. Um, it almost it, turns into like the mini movie of Hulk Hogan at this point. No. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, it's the mini movie of Hulk Hogan giving his de- his version of events through Hulk Hogan's prism of yeah. reality and kayfabe, juxtaspo- juxtaposed with Vince McMahon pretty much being serious, saying the real shit, and it's tremendous. And then they showed up. Actually, I love how they showed a, uh, a a notebook of supposedly Hogan's writings, which obviously they were not Hogan's writings. But I, 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 I've never heard that one before. But that sounded like a whopper. And I just love the fact that they actually showed just a make believe, uh, obviously not the real one that Hogan scripted out, but they actually had a, 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 a they had one. Well, how do you know? Maybe. So, they- Maybe Hulk Hogan did that before, you know, the uh, the taping. The show, here's my notebook, brother. <laughs> yeah. So the story is that Hogan apparently, a la Randy Savage, scripted the WrestleMania 3 match beforehand. 
Yeah, I, I, honestly, I think Hulk in his old age got him and Savage's story confused here. <laughs> well, it's the first I've heard of it. There we was... didn't hear Hulk. We didn't hear Hulk talk about picking him up over his head and slamming him. Yeah, well, the story. Yeah, that's okay. Because here's because here's what we're looking at. Because here's what we're, we're looking at: Hulk Hogan in the non kayfabe world now, but he can't live in a non kayfabe world. So he's created a fake version of reality because it used to be, and then I slammed him and he died three days later. And he's like, oh, yeah. I can't do that shit anymore. So now it's like, hey, brother, I even scripted out the match. And I was like, ah, oh, it's genius. <laughs> I love it. Except I left to finish empty because I didn't know where we were going. Because I didn't know where we were going. And then cutting to Vince going, yeah, it was all the rib. That <laughs> looks great. Yeah, I mean, there's some truth to it, I'm sure. I mean, okay, well, since we're talking about it, here's how the the film approaches it, and here's because that's always the one thing, guys, right? That no one ever bought. Like when Hogan first said, "I didn't know if Andre was gonna do business," it's like, yeah, nobody believes that shit. Yeah, but why would he keep saying it over and over and over again? And I'm going, okay. He says here that the new Andre was going to do the job, but he didn't go up to approach him about how to do it out of a matter of respect or something. And Andre started ribbing him about that. And then they cut to Vince going, well, Andre was kind of, he didn't ever said the word rib. You know, he was doing that. And, you know, I just thought I'd back him up. Okay. I get it now. Vince was fucking with Hulk Hogan and being part of Andre's rib. And then they get Hogan's take through his years of craziness on what that was. And when you think about it, I bet Vince didn't get a whole lot of chances to rib Hogan. And, uh, and people would say, you know, well, why would Hulk, why, why would Vince McMahon rib Hulk Hogan like that on the day of the biggest show ever? Everything counts on it. And I say, Vince McMahon changed the finish to this year's WrestleMania the day of the show. Yeah. It's Vince McMahon. And worked the boys. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And worked most of the roster. The ref didn't know the finish before going in. Nope. The guy, Michael Hayes, scripted the match. He fucking didn't know what the finish was. Okay, so you're seeing it presented and here's where they cut to shoemaker with a lot of like oh that's mythology and so <laughs> i loved it and vince would have got his son murdered if shane caught up to brock because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't fucking clue his son in that hey it's a work vince is a crazy man um yeah but i mean it was uh, andre had never lost in north america so yeah, you could play up on that a lot, and I'm. Oh, it was huge at the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Vince could, you know, play up on Hogan's paranoia. I guess. I mean, Hogan, you know, it must have been hard to believe at the time that Andre was actually going to drop a match. He was actually going to lose a match. Um, yeah, and that's and I and I totally believe Hogan's sincerity here, of that feeling because they make it clear. Amongst the wrestlers, Andre's the boss, man. Yeah. And, you know, they make that clear, and, that, and that's not bullshit. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, this this whole story. I mean, yeah, of course, it's it's got a lot of uh, BS in it, but it, it told a really good story. They they show the Piper's Pit angle, and every time I see that, I'm just blown away at how great that whole thing was. Okay, real quick. Every time I see that now, I, I always want to ask, why was Jesse there? Well, in the story, he was the one who sort of brought uh, Andre and Hogan together right on the show. I think he was um, – he made it his mission to uh, – to uh, bring Andre back. Isn't that what happened? Because it had been built up over weeks. First, okay. Andre got a trophy for being undefeated. Right. I just don't, I just didn't remember why Jesse the Body Ventura was part of that. I think he well, was I think, yeah, I knew, earlier. Yeah, he was stirring shit up through the whole thing, uh, okay. pointing out how the trophy that Andre got was smaller than the trophy that Hogan got for being the champion for three years. And then it was like the week before, I think he said, okay, Vince, next week I'm getting Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan's going to be here and this and that. Oh, okay. so I also that loved, was... uh, I love the talking head. Who was it? Was it Shoemaker who uh, said there's nothing worse than aligning yourself with Bobby Heenan? Or yeah, something. wasn't that great? What was the example? It was Bobby Heenan or something? Uh, no, I, can't, I can't remember what he, exactly what he said, but what? But the gist of what he said in the world of wrestling, there's nothing more evil you can do yeah. than align yourself with Bobby the Brain Heenan. And I was like, that's great, great. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I was just blown away by the, the five people. Um, in the segment are all just legends, all time legends. Um, and it was, it was, and Piper was so good in it too. And the, the blood Piper, I thought, I thought Piper made that segment. Tell you the truth. He, yeah. In yeah, a way. He, he really sold the importance of you're it. Bleeding. Yeah, yeah. You're bleeding. Yeah. And yeah. And at what timing that, that Hogan actually got cut from the cross. And then I found it was, is neat that Hogan mentioned he was, you know, he wanted to cry on on camera, right? So he had and use Vix Vix vapor rub. <laughs> yeah, I like that story, but part of me thinks maybe it's confusing. You meant the you meant I was trying to blade, so I'd bleed. Uh, I well, mm. you can see that he was holding his fingers up to his eye, like yeah, he was. You're right. Yeah, they 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 do as they do as the Pruder film slow mo to show yeah. him fucking uh, yeah. Okay. Doing it. And trust me, uh, he wasn't blading in nineteen late eighty six, yeah. early eighty seven. Yeah, I think the cut from the cross that was just totally a fluke, unintentional. Yeah. wasn't supposed to happen because he was just supposed to rip his shirt off, but he ended up ripping yeah. off the cross. Yeah, Piper, uh, Piper, Piper said you're bleeding, man, and didn't say oh, we're not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, um, but then the the story of Hogan. Uh, trying to get the tear played perfectly into this whole, you know, greater story. Because at the end, when Hogan's finally done, he's actually crying on camera um, for the documentary. So you know, that was that tied it all up perfectly. Um, it leaves you, it leaves you wondering. Yeah, <laughs> finally the the Vix rub thirty years later worked. Got it to work, brother. <laughs> Uh, I loved, I yeah. loved. And he goes, and then he calls it Slam. <laughs> yeah. Leg drop. Leg drop. <laughs> yeah. 
Hogan's a great storyteller. I don't give a shit if he's full of it or not. And, no, because exactly what I said. It, this is Hogan adapting his bullshit into the shoot world, and I love it. In his, you know, in his reality, he's still married to Linda, and his kids live at home. Oh, boy. <laughs> Hogan knows best. That Hogan knows best. Before everything went to hell for him, yeah. I know, that really was. <laughs> <laughs> if you could freeze time in 2007, I guess. Um, <laughs> if only Brooke would have dated Harry Smith, everything would have worked out fine. Harry Smith, is that who he was trying to hook her up with? Yeah, at the time. Really? You know, yeah. Of course, reality scripted bullshit, yeah. Harry Smith? Really? Yeah. Wait, okay, you guys are like, oh, I want to get the best. Oh, hey, brother, I want to get the best one for my daughter. Um, yeah, let's marry her to the hearts. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Remember, that he, he also had Brian Knobs and Jimmy Hart, I think, uh, follow her on a date. Yes, oh, yeah. I did watch uh, some of those. Uh, that's for sure. I, I would watch a few of those and just laugh my ass off at how fucking scripted and stupid it was. Yeah. But but I and the best one ever was Brooke and her mom go to get colonics. I was like, okay, I'm watching this. <laughs> but they back, back out. Let's okay. get back on our segment. Yeah, I was gonna, the next time we get together, we'll do a episode by episode recap of Hogan Knows Best. But... <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's time, I think. Um, yeah. So, the, and then, you know, they, they, they tell the story of WrestleMania three, and then the last few years of Andre's life are pretty quickly uh, glossed over. They don't even bring up the, the rematch from the main event with the big um, twin referee angle. angle. Yeah. Or, or, or WrestleMania four. Right. No. Well, there wasn't much to say about that, yeah. really. That was well, it, it, a it, horrible match. It really wasn't important, you know. Because it, it, yeah. like I said, this this isn't a Ken Burns style, you know, eighteen hour thing. It's like, and here after that, that was this. They showed enough. They showed a bit, you know, uh, from that era. Yeah. You know, yeah. there and they, I a few clips. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they get into him being in tag matches, and then of course he wins mm-hmm. with Haku and had one last title run. Um, yeah, and then yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, well, then they they actually show when he came back in 1991 with the the crutches, which was very sad to watch. Yeah. Now and at yeah. the time, it was sad. Um, and then you also see the remorse in Vince's face when they're talking about. About how they just handled it. They handled, both the guys handled it poorly towards the end. Yeah, he yeah. Vince said. Vince said he's like, well, he resented me. Uh, and but Vince, Vince gets in this line because he said he's like, because like, he was stuck there in North Carolina and not on the road. And I was like, they already showed that that place was paradise. So I don't yeah. know, Vince. No, the, the shot, the the overhead craning shot of the ranch. They did. Yeah. I was like, that place looks like paradise. And his Frenchie Martin and his ex-wife seem like his hippie little family there. So Vince saying, <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm trapped there. They use that, but they've already established in this movie that it was where he wanted to be. In which exactly. I, that, that's a choice. They made Vince McMahon look kind of s- stupid there. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, Andre still sure wanted to be a part of it all, but there just wasn't any way. And yeah, yeah, and then they're just showing him now he's bitter with the business because he gave everything he had, and now no, they didn't want anything to do with him. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, there was obviously some bad feelings. He he, lit- he literally felt said he felt like an old circus animal being put out to pasture. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and Vince at the end was very broke up about it all. It was all it, yeah, very sad. Oh, oh, and by the way, anyone who's like Vince, I, I, which I've read, oh, Vince was was working. You know, uh, with his te- with his snort and tears and emotion, it was all fake. It's like fuck you. It, it clearly wasn't. It bothered him. Yeah, I mean, it clearly wasn't. Um, Vince says during this, he says, "If something hurts me, mm-hmm. I-, I get rid of it. I just get rid of it." And and it was like, "Whoa, that's fucking deep." And then you hear him asking about Andre, what's your final feelings? He, he talks about how he's one of a kind. He was it. He was it for him. And you think about it, looking back at the 70s, young Vince McMahon, um, poised to take over this, would stand there next to Andre in those great interviews and always look amazed and just like he's the greatest thing ever. And he tugged at his ear, which is one of his tells that it's real emotions. Uh, and it was beautiful. I, I, I thought it was a, gr- you know, a, a great. Uh, to me, I thought uh, Tim White's when. Oh my when, goodness! Oh my I goodness! Mean, I, 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 I didn't break down, but I was close. Oh, I uh, did. <laughs> to where he's talking about how what a shitty way it is to die in a hotel room by yourself. A hotel room by yourself, but at the same time, it was a hotel room in Paris. Yeah, and he. Father who just died. So that, right, but the movie takes the the tone of he went home to die. Right, mm-hmm. and they they go back to that the younger brother who uh, shows the chair that his mother made by hand for him special, yeah. a giant wooden chair in their lovely French village, and he says, um, he. He was my big brother, and that's what they go out on. And uh, oof, it, it's 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 beautiful. Yeah, I thought the finishing run was really strong, and it yeah. really hit the hit you emotionally. Yeah, yeah, that that's my main takeaway. Is that he was forty six. Great job of of getting to you to like love Andre and respect Andre. And then there's no Andre, and it's like, ouch. Yeah. And I think I, I, me summing up, the movie celebrates Andre the Giant. It, it, it treats him like something beyond wrestling, which he was. And it's a, I, I think it's absolutely gorgeous. I, I, I adore this film. And, and, yeah. and also, the, the really, really put like you know put salt in the wounds is like the hippie family they're showing pictures of andre and they're seeing him deteriorate right in front of their eyes when he's yeah oh that's rough too you know and we haven't we haven't talked about the daughter but yeah 
they get into that relationship, but and here's how it ends. Uh, in the credits, after he died, the sole beneficiary of his entire estate was his daughter. That was the, the one thing he could do. Because they made it clear he what was he gonna do? Be a dad? He he couldn't. It, yeah. Andre slipped one by the goalie and that's what happened. Right. It was his estranged daughter. He they he yeah. didn't um, he didn't spend any time with her at all, really, I don't think. Maybe when she yeah. was uh, it was very touching. Yeah. Right. But it but it was very touching. They said every time he came to town, spent time with her, but he was always on the road. Yeah. But he gave her that beautiful ranch. So yeah, no, this was a really uh, well done film. I was kind of skeptical. Like I, I was excited at first, then as it got closer to the release, you started to hear a bit about it, and then I thought, oh, maybe it's just going to be a very um, generalized look at Andre. But no, I was pleased at how it turned out. It was, it's really good. Um, yeah, everybody should watch this it's, it's yeah this cool. isn't this isn't wwe network's history of the monday night wars uh <laughs> quote unquote documentary this is this is good <laughs> this is art okay <laughs> yeah well i mean the, the wwe has made quite a few uh worthwhile documentaries over the years for sure oh, well they and, they and biographies but yeah this is a bit uh better yeah than this is on another level um, all right. Well, any more, any uh, closing thoughts on this, Pete? I thought it was incredible, and I really enjoyed it. Even with some of the small softball flaws, you know, little cotton ball issues I'd have with it. I mean, I can't. I mean, I'd have to recommend it. And it was a, it was a really good, uh, really fascinating watch. And the. Uh, the thing you got, you felt like you got to know him, got to know what he liked to do, like to hang out, uh, be around people, and be a farm boy at heart. And uh, the most sad thing is hearing about him, you know, you just the sad stuff about the flying on the airplanes and and having to like relieve himself because he couldn't fit in the bathrooms. Um, I take a little bit of like, I wonder what people were really saying about him. I mean, I. What I don't think I mean if I saw someone like that at the airport I don't think I'd openly make fun of them or talk about them but I'm I I, I don't know I I mean I just don't know about that uh, but obviously some people did because you heard about Andre punching people at airports every now and then um, but man I really thought it was a really good look into Andre the Giant and and capturing not just his career but kind of his essence in general. Mm-hmm. Johnny, anything else to add? Uh, no, is this show longer than a documentary? Okay. Uh, it's getting there. <laughs> uh, no, I thought I, I adored this. I, think, I thought it was wonderful. It, it, I think it's uh, beyond any real criticism. It's, it's a movie. They made a movie. This is not a wrestling thing. It's a movie. And as a movie, it's one of the best wrestling movies I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, this is really good stuff. Um, in particular, yeah, I really like Hogan in this, and Vince too, um, and then how it all built to that, uh, and then them being the dominant voices, and then the whole thing building to WrestleMania three. It was structured really, 
well. Yeah, it was it was so well put together. And let me just say one one other thing. And, and a sleeper I, pick, I would say, is Gary Ellis. I thought he was. He, oh, he was wonderful. He was wonderful. He trust me. His book about the making of the Princess Bride, I highly recommend. It's a quick read. It's beautiful. And what he writes about Andre in there will bring a tear to your eye. It 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 it's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he he he's great. All right. Well, this was a good time. Um, we we talked a lot about. Uh, Andre, of course, in different um, phases of his career. And, yeah, it's, it's someone we discussed a lot on Titans of Wrestling, that's for sure. So this felt like kind of a return to that in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, one of the greatest wrestlers ever, most popular, most well-known, legendary. Giant uh, dick, apparently. What a, what a large cock that he had. We should have spent more time really talking about it. I wish they would have asked if he swirled or just stuck. Yeah, you know, he he he. No, no, I I heard a legend that Andre the Giant once walked up to Milton Berle and just thumped his elephant cock out and was like, "Her her her, tiny." (laughs) Well, I think that's the perfect note to uh, to end on. Yes, we'll be back with our regularly scheduled WorldCast show next week. Back to Dallas. Michael Hayes is here, finally, folks. Um, a whole new world awaits when we get back. A new world! A new... Oh, me and Pete on a flying carpet. <laughs> Can you imagine? The flying magic carpet ride. <laughs> All right, folks. We'll see you next week. Good night. Let me tell me one. Tomorrow, I promise you, I'll be back here. Nobody did that to me before, Bill Watts. And you know that. You know I'm inside the cell wrestling. And Kumari, I don't know where you come from, and I don't know. Maybe you're a savage. But now I'm going to tell you, you make me a savage too. And you better tell it too. I tell him right away, I want him back in that ring. And you tell me why, okay? Then you don't tell him and sign those contracts. You don't promise me that. Yeah. You better do it. You never see me mad, you never see me mad now. Nothing I can add to that. I don't blame him for being upset, that's for sure. Well, Boyd, in his heavy French accent, everything he said may not be absolutely clear, but his intent was clear, and I was right there, and I was receiving it. And I know Grizzly Smith is trying to arrange the match with Kamala and Andre the Giant, and that should be a battle of giants. Right now, we're going to go to a most interesting interview in the locker room with Vince McMahon and the eighth wonder of the world, Andre the Giant. With us now, ladies and gentlemen, the most extraordinary athlete of all time, Andre the Giant. Andre will be greeted by some 22,000 people out in the main arena tonight in Madison Square Garden, some 5,000 over in the Felt Forum, sold out for over a week. You, one of the chief reasons why, Andre the Giant, people standing in line, buying tickets, wanting to get close to the one and the only Andre. 
got to be a tremendous feeling for you, Andre. I always appreciate when you sound like a giant. Because John started crying, he was the giant. And after I get through with him, now I really, I am only the giant. He kind of started with John, start the giant. But this time now I got my hands full with the Samoans. I know they want to give me some trouble. But tonight I got only one. And I don't want to disappoint the people. And I will try to do my best again. But I, have, I know I have to watch my back because maybe one or the summon number two or summon number three or maybe with Salou Albano will jump in the ring. We never know. But tonight again, I want to show the people I still am the giant. Andre, thank you much for joining us. Andre the Giant, the single greatest sports attraction in the history of sports today. Andre the Giant, thank you.